Thank you, Brandy. I told our eight o'clockers that next year, I threatened it last year, but I mean it this year. We'll just let them be our sermons next year because they have all been, all been so good. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will, I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming back to our gospel passage from this morning. I was involved in several discussions this week uh, about this passage, and my favorite response was, can we just skip it? Every once in a while in our lectionary readings, we just we come across passages that seem to take all of the air out of the room. And I think the reason that they take all of the air out of the room is because in some strange way they are more familiar to us than other passages. We read stories about women who lose coins in their homes and tear the whole place apart and then throw a celebration and We can relate to that, but it's not directly related to our life. We read a story about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, who leaves behind ninety-nine to find one lost. And once again, there is a message of hope there, but the likelihood of any of us being actual shepherds is small. And yet when we read a passage like we have read this morning, where marriage is mentioned, and the way that marriage is mentioned, it feels as though the scripture is speaking directly to us in a way that the scriptures normally do not. In other words, there is a comfort to us when it feels like the scriptures are at a safe distance and they are not speaking directly into our lives and instead giving us a message of hope and encouragement that we can take home. The good news, though, that I have for you this morning is that I don't believe that this passage is actually about marriage or divorce or being separated by death. I I don't even think that this passage is about who who we will be joined with in the afterlife. I think that all of these are red herrings that distract us from the point that Jesus is actually trying to make. So if this passage is not about marriage or divorce or death or about who we will be joined to in the afterlife, what is it actually about? I think that this is a story about life and what comes next. And for whatever reason, we shy away from talking about the afterlife in the Episcopal Church. And I think it's because we're afraid that we don't have concrete enough answers. But when it comes down to it, like this, this is the question, is it not? It's the question that when we are alone and when we are not distracted by media or entertainment, it is the thing that we think about. It is when we experience the death or passing of a loved one, a friend, or a family member that we look upon this person and wonder if this too will happen to us. We feel the fragility of our life when a a fond or a, a, a celebrity that we are fond of passes away and suddenly we are thrust into an existential crisis that makes us wonder about the meaning of, of this life and if this is all there is. And we are not the first people to ask this question. It is not just our generation or the generation before us. It is generation after generation after generation. And Jesus was not the first to speak on this subject. It was not the first century people were the first that were concerned with if this life 
was all that there was. But as long as there has been humans on the face of this earth, temporal beings, we have struggled and fought to understand our mortality and what it means. And so this is an important question, one that we should ask. And frankly, this is the space that we should ask it in. Because questions are good and holy and they lead us to sacred places. And frankly, the church that I grew up in didn't always foster these kind of conversations. In fact, they really only wanted me or perhaps you to be able to regurgitate a systematic system of beliefs about what this life was about and what the next life would look like. And there wasn't really a safe space for, I'll just say me, but perhaps you too, to ask these kind of questions. What in the world comes after this. So questions are good, and they are holy, and they can lead us closer not only to each other, not only into deeper understanding of ourselves and of the world, but closer to God. But I'll be honest with you. I don't like the question that is asked in our gospel passage today because it's not asked in a sincere way. The Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus. They have constructed a question that is not meant to foster conversation or deeper understanding, but their hope is that it will illuminate what they believe to be the absurd. In the first century and around that time, there was an organizing body of religious leaders made up of two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These religious leaders set on a ruling body called the Great Sanhedrin. And the Great Sanhedrin was made up of 71 individuals, and they ruled, kind of like our Supreme Court rules, on issues of uh, social order and religious belief and the law. But, surprise, surprise, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not agree on everything. The Pharisees were a bit more blue-collar, a bit more practical, a bit more of the people. They believed in a little bit of leniency and uh, less literalness in their interpretation of the law. But the Pharisees, this may surprise you, believed in a resurrection, a life to come. And this is surprising because oftentimes in the church, I think that we think that we invented this idea of resurrection, that it did not come until Jesus. But truly, this is a belief that originated long before us. And it's interesting in the Hebrew Bible to watch this kind of development, because in the Torah, in the earliest books that are written, there is no concept of an afterlife. There is only going to be, to be buried with your fathers or your ancestors. And so over a span of time, there is a development of belief that not only are we joined together with our ancestors in death, but that there is also a life to come. The Sadducees, however, did not believe this. They were a bit more white-collar, a bit more culturally elite, a bit more academic, and they did not believe in the resurrection They believed that this life was all that there was. You may not know the song, but there's an old song that says, I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. And then the second verse goes, I don't want to be a Sadducee because they are so sad, you see. And of course, this is a child's song, fun, 
But it points to, I think, the fact that the Sadducees truly did believe, really, that this was all that there was. And so when they come to Jesus and they ask this question, they have constructed a scenario where any answer that Jesus gives is going to sound absurd, it's going to break the law, it's going to display the messiness of life. And this is where Jesus is so good because I think that he understands the messiness of life. That even though this is a fictitious uh, scenario, it can also happen. And so Jesus begins to answer them, and his answer displays and illuminates that they're set up for this question. Their, their scenario that they have constructed is built on a faulty foundation. They believe that the resurrection, as they understand it, is simply taking one breath on this side of eternity and then taking the next breath on the other side and nothing else changing. And yet Jesus is saying, no, no, you, you don't understand the things that you are concerned with on this side of life will no longer be a concern to you in the next. You see through a glass dimly lit right now, but on the other side, things will make more sense. And the things that we need to order our lives and the relationships that we are in, suddenly we will be more connected and more whole and more healed than we have ever been in our entire life. And I think... Perhaps what Jesus does not say, but what I hear him saying in this passage, is that if the next life is so wholesale different than this, then this life is unique and special, and we've only got so much time. And frankly, the way that we talk about this life and the afterlife in church so often makes us into lazy and comfortable individuals that believe if we don't get